أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome back after Ramadan It's been a, a couple of weeks that we took a break Alhamdulillah uh, But as we decided in Ramadan that we want to continue our connection with the Quran right? Um, Quran is not just for Ramadan It's guidance for throughout the year inshallah and um, we try to keep this as regular as possible and I know it's the summer and some people are traveling but it's okay inshallah we'll still continue and whoever wants to watch online uh, can watch inshallah so I've chosen Surah Al-Ikhlas today a very um, short but very deep surah of the Quran um, just four ayat and we know from the narrations of, of the hadith that you know the Prophet ﷺ has described this as Thuluth Al-Quran, which means one-third of the Quran. So it's a pretty big deal, this surah, although it's very short, but uh, very profound lessons. Um, and, of course, we won't be able to cover the entire surah, but at least some reflections, because, again, this session is about reflecting on the surahs and not, not necessarily a tafsir. It is not a tafsir session. And my main purpose of, of studying and teaching this is to learn how to apply these surahs in our lives. How to make them practical for us to live by. Okay? So Surah Al-Ikhlas, um, four ayat, and this is one of those surahs which in Mecca, of course, the, you know, the Quraysh, the, the enemies of the Prophet ﷺ would question, who is God? Tell us who is God? What is he like? You know? And, and they would constantly challenge him and ask him. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this surah to really explain who Allah is and what is the expected relationship between us and Allah. And at the same time, what is the overall understanding of basically, you know, aqidah? If you want to know what aqidah 101 is, this is the surah for that. What does it mean to believe in Allah? What does tawheed mean? The oneness of Allah, what does it mean? And how do we make it practical? Which is something that I found, you know, when I, when I was taught uh, Tawheed and Aqeed and all this, the practicality of it was not really much paid attention to. It was more about theoretical Tawheed, the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the uniqueness of His, uh, you know, Tawheed al-Uluhiyya and Rububiyya and Asma' al-Safat. They talk about a lot of theoretical things, which is, which is nice, but... And what I'm going to try to do is add the practical element to it and make it less theoretical, inshallah. So, introduction, of course, Surah Ikhlas starts or it sits in the end of the Qur'an. And which two surahs come after it? Falaq and Nas, right? So you have Ikhlas, Falaq and Nas. That's the conclusion of the Qur'an. One way to look at this is Ikhlas is the summary of like, our relationship with Allah, who Allah is, which is one-third of the Qur'an. And then, Falaq al-Nas can come as two angel protectors, one on the right, one on the left, and, and Ikhlas is right in the middle. So, Ikhlas or Tawheed or your belief in the oneness of Allah is right in the center, and then you have two angel protectors, Falaq, protecting you from external evil, and uh, or internal evil, sorry, and Nas, protecting you from external evil. Okay, And what's also interesting about this is, you know, this was the legacy of Ibrahim alayhi salam, this idea of oneness and tawheed. And, you know, his mission was really to purify the Kaaba. He built the Kaaba as a symbol of the oneness of Allah, right? And so what did all the prophets after him do? Continue the same legacy. And that's exactly what Musa alayhi salam was sent to do. That's what Isa alayhi salam was sent to do. That's what Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was sent to do, is to really bring back the legacy of Ibrahim alayhi salam, which is teaching people the oneness. Allah, teaching people what it means to be a Muslim, what it means to have Iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's that continuation of the legacy of Ibrahim salam that this surah is highlighting. And what's interesting is that, that the setting of the surah being revealed in, in uh, Mecca and the Kaaba, although the Kaaba is a center of, supposed to be a center of Tawheed, but what did the Quraysh do with the Kaaba? Were they really applying Tawheed in Mecca? Although they were the custodians of the Kaaba of that time. But they, what we're going to learn in the surah is that, you know, the Quraysh, they actually believed in Allah being the creator. Right? In other places in the Quran, Allah tells us that, you know, If you ask them who created the heavens and the earth, they would say Allah. 
They believed in Allah being the creator. But what did they have a problem with? They had, they had a problem with some of the names of Allah like Ahad, like Samad, like Kufu and Ahad. These names were what got Quraysh out of Islam, right? Although they were basically taking care of the Kaaba and, and seemed like nice people and they were inviting people to come and do Hajj, right? But the essence of it was lost. The essence of Tawheed was lost. It was just one element. So believing in Allah being the creator doesn't make you a Muhammad, doesn't make you a Muslim alone because Quraysh did the same. Yet Allah described them as, as uh, you know, kafirin or kuffar. So what's also interesting is that, again, to continue the same point, Surah Al-Kafirun is usually paired with Surah Al-Ikhlas. Like the Prophet it's known that he used to pray with these two surahs in his uh, Sunnah of Fajr, right? You start with Kafirun and then Ikhlas. That is one of the Sunnahs of the Prophet Same thing when you, in Umrah, when you pray behind the uh, Maqam Ibrahim. It's a Sunnah to recite Kafirun and Ikhlas. So what's the, what's the connection between Kafirun and Ikhlas? It's as if Allah, because remember, the Kuffar also have the Ibadah. La a'budu ma ta'budun wa la antum abiduna ma a'bud. So the Kuffar have their own modes of worship. And in Kafirun, we learn, and inshallah we'll study it someday, we learn that there's no compromise. Allah is teaching the Prophet not to compromise with the Kuffar because they have a form of worship. Islam is a different kind of worship. And that surah distinguishes this. And then Surah Al-Ikhlas comes to tell you know, the, the reader or the, or the listener what real uh, ibadah is. What is the real meaning of ibadah? So it's not the ibadah of the Kuffar, it's a different kind of ibadah. And of course, what we're going to learn here is who is Allah? And how is you know, our version of Allah or God different than the kafir version of God, right? That's what this surah is going to do. Because, um, you know, as you know, many religions, they actually believe in one God. But their uh, aqidah has been corrupted with other elements in the religion that corrupts the deen. Itself. So Allah is going to describe himself in a way here which will leave no room for doubt for any other religion to corrupt it in any way. And of course, what we're also going to learn is what is Allah demanding from us? What is the relationship Allah wants us to have with Him? What is the expectations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And of course, what is the goal of the surah? That's what we're going to learn. Any guesses what the goal of the surah is? Uh, actually, it's in the name of the surah. What's the name of the surah? Ikhlas. So we're going to learn why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called this surah Ikhlas. Why not surah Tawheed? Or Surah Al-Ibadah, right? It's, it's interesting. There's no mention of Ikhlas in the Surah, right? The word Ikhlas is not mentioned in the Surah yet. It's called Surah Al-Ikhlas. Why? What's the connection between uh, the Surah and Ikhlas? So we'll learn about that, inshallah, also. And I hope we can finish in an hour, inshallah. So, ahad. Say, he is Allah, ahad. And I won't translate ahad as one because the word for one in Arabic is wahid. Ahad is different than wahid. Okay? So we'll look at that. But before, that, before we, we get into that, just a broad kind of uh, idea about what is meant by ahad. Qul huwallahu ahad. And what does Allah want us to do with this name? How is this name reflected in our lives? So if you look at our life in general, any individual's life, any human being's life, there's different roles in our life that we play. The role of your physical body in terms of your health and fitness, the role of your spirituality, the role of your intellectual growth, studies, college, um, your, your emotional aspect of your life, your family, your work, your community service, your friends and entertainment and all of that. That's what basically sums up the world of a human being. And uh, many people live this life not knowing that this is actually a According to the Quran, it's a flawed way of life because what, are, what injustice have we done in this lifestyle? We've given Allah a portion of our life. And ibadah is not giving Allah a portion. Ibadah is a holistic view of your life. So, you know, for us, the concept of ibadah is not a part-time concept. Allah wants us to be His ibad. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the only purpose of our existence is ibadah. It's not one of the other purposes. It's the only purpose, right? And so, instead of making Allah, like just giving Allah a portion of our day, Allah wants our entire life, right? 
And this is something that bothers many people. You know, it's something that they can't really understand and comprehend. And, and so the way, you know, I would like to illustrate that is instead of bringing, making Allah a compartment or just giving Allah a compartment of your life, you bring Allah in the center. And that's when you become a abd. What's dangerous about this model is that you be, it, the world revolves around you. And you become, in a way, you replace God's role, right? It's about you. It's about your job, your business, your community service, your family, right? It's about me, 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 me. And what does that do to the ego? It boosts the ego in a very subtle way, one, a very creative way of shaitan to deceive us, okay? And they start, it's all about your happiness and your comfort and your, and it's, you know, Allah calls this ibadat al-hawa. Afara'ayta man ittakhada ilaha hu hawa. Allah says there's people who will take their own hawa, their own desires, their own empty desires as their ilaha. And so in, the, in this model, Allah is the center of your life. Everything revolves around Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything in your life revolves around Him. Everything you do is for Him. You work for Him. You don't work for money. You go to your office for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You get married for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't get married to satisfy your desires. You see, the, you see how it's different? You, you know, start a project for Allah. You go shopping for Allah. You keep Allah in mind in every single step of the way. And even from like your, your you know, nutrition and health, you go to the gym for Allah's sake. Right? Because Allah wants you to be healthy. Because Allah says, You eat halal and pure food for Allah. You take care of your body for Allah. You study for Allah, because Allah says, Iqra. So you're fulfilling Allah's command in every single step of the way. When you, you're dealing with your parents, you, you deal with them in a nice way, you say qawlan hasanan to them, beautiful speech, why? As obedience to Allah. You do musahaba to your parents, wasahibhuma fi dunya ma'rufa, give company to your parents, why? For Allah. So everything becomes for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and therefore anything that is a form of disobedience to Allah, what happens to it in your life? It's supposed to go away, right? There's no room for disobedience in your life then. Okay, so that's the ideal kind of uh, model of Ahad. Qul huwa Allahu Ahad. And what's beautiful about the word Qul, okay, it comes in Qul huwa Allahu Ahad, it comes later on in Qul a'udhu bi rabbil falaq, Qul a'udhu bi rabbil nas, and it came also in Qul ya ayyuhal kafirun. It comes four times, right, in this concluding passages of the Quran. And so what does Qul mean? Very interesting here, you know, Qawl is different than Kalam. Kalam is speech. But Allah doesn't just want us to talk about Allah is one. He's not telling us just say it with your tongue. Qawl is when it's reflected in your entire life. When, you know, you're, you're, you're speaking it with your actions. You know how they say, uh, walk your talk? That's what Qawl is, walking the talk. Is when your actions, your your, the way you deal with people in, in your day-to-day -day activities, it's showing, that's qawl, when people can see it through your actions. So Allah is saying, live, show people that Allah is the center of the universe. Allah is the center of our lives. Don't just talk about it, right? And that's something that we've gotten wrong. We talk about Tawheed a lot, but very little do we experience it and see it in people's lives. So as you see here, everything in your life becomes ibadah then. Me taking my kids out for ice cream is ibadah now. Me taking my wife out for a candlelight dinner becomes ibadah. Going to the gym, ibadah. Going to study is ibadah. How many students go to school to worship Allah? All right. And Allah's law is that if you do something for me, I will give you pleasure in it. But if you do something for your own desires, it will drain you out. Now look at like students in school. Is it stressful to go to school for many kids? Homework? exams, you know, they look forward to the weekend, right? It drains you out. Why? Because it's a shahwa, it's a desire. What about people who go to work for money? Stressful, right? You go for the salary, you go for it, you know, just to pay the bills. That's shahwa. You're missing the point. That's why employees look forward to the weekends. That's why employees look forward to the summer holidays. Same thing with the gym. If you go to the gym just to look good so that you can attract more, more uh, you know, women or the opposites, uh, you know, also applies then it's going to drain you out. You're going to lose motivation. But if you go with the you know, intention of, Ya Allah, this is ibadah. I want to be strong. I want to be fit. I want to be healthy. Then, inshallah, you will be motivated to do that. So 
When you do something for yourself, you're going to struggle. Allah gave us the easy way out. He said, you know, instead of managing eight roles of your life, you're going to be juggling, you're going to be messing around with them. Just manage one role. That is the role of Abd. I'm your Rabb. You are my Abd. That's it. One role, very simple. And that's all you need to focus on. And that's what all the prophets came to teach, if you think about it. No prophet came to teach us that you need to work out and have a six-pack, that you need to eat healthy food. No prophet came to teach us in detail that you need to study and good, be good in math and physics. No. That's all taken care of once your ideal relationship with Allah is in place. And that is what Ahad means. Qul huwallahu Ahad. Okay? Making Allah the center of your entire life. So say this. So Qul means say it to every, everyone around you with your actions. Say it to yourself. Keep reminding yourself. You know, as, give credit to Allah for everything in your life. You look at your children, say it to yourself. This is from Allah. You get a promotion, this is from Allah. You get, you know, um, some kind of blessing, some gift that comes to you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is from Allah. You give credit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for everything in your life. You make Allah the center of your life. What is the difference between wahid and ahad? Why didn't Allah say, qul huwallahu wahid? Right? Wahid means that there, there could be two, three, four, five. But ahad eliminates the chance of number two, number three, number four. It's a unique way of saying that there is one and only one. Okay, in the Arabic language. That's one of the meanings of Ahad. And what Ahad does is, if you have like Wahid, Thnein, Talatha, they all have things in common, right? But Ahad means he's unique. There's nothing like him. And this should be further like uh, emphasized in the last ayah, which is, وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ كُفْوًا أَحَدٍ Which means there is nothing like him. That's one of its meanings, which we'll come to later. So this ayah, قُلْهُ اللَّهُ أَحَدٍ answers all the questions of humanity. Where did we come from? Allah is telling us, Huwallahu Ahad. You came from Allah. Huwallah. You came from Allah. Who created this universe? Allah. Where are we going back to? Allah. Why were we why are we here? For Allah. Right? Everything is answered with this one ayah. All the questions of humanity, all the doubts people have about the purpose of life, the purpose of existence, can be answered by this one question. By associating everything back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And of course, we talked about his uniqueness. Another beautiful thing about Qul Allah Ahad is it frees you. It frees you from attaching yourself to worldly things. Because one of the you know, diseases uh, or, or weaknesses of human beings is that when we start worshipping ourselves, okay, or let's say you worship money. Many people worship money. Money for them is their ilah. They would do anything for money. When this money goes away, what happens to them? They fall into depression. They fall into some sort of like problems in their life, right? Why? Because their entire life revolved around money. For others, let's say children is their center of their life. And you know, if a child falls sick or if a child you know passes away or something, their entire life turns around. For many people, their their workplace is their ilah. For some, it's maybe their spouse. For some, it's their entertainment. And then when entertainment is taken away, their life falls apart. So this idea of obsession, of being obsessed with alcohol, drugs, uh, you know, you know uh, filthy things online or whatever, when you make that your ilah, then when it's taken away from you, life doesn't have any more meanings. So what we're learning here is that ahad means you detach yourself from all other false idols. Right? So in our world, we, you know, back in the time of the Prophet and there were physical idols around the Kaaba. 360 idols around the Kaaba that different Arab tribes would come to worship during the Hajj season. And what did the, you know, Ibrahim do? He broke all the idols. What did the Prophet do after Fath Mecca? Also broke all the idols, right? But today we don't really have physical idols that we're worshipping. Some religions do, but for the most part, the idols of our times are in our hearts. It's, you know, our obsessions with materialism and money and entertainment and, con and consumerism and ourselves for some, some times also, right? Uh, or family or money and all these things. And so what does Ahad do? It frees you from all these, uh, you know, worldly attachments and says, worship Allah and this will be your ultimate freedom. This is your ultimate freedom. And what does Shaitan do? He flips it. He says... 
you know what, this deen, Islam, it's too restrictive. You don't need Islam because Islam limits you. It's going to put too many boundaries to you. And so many people who leave Islam or they're not interested in Islam, shaitan sells them fake freedom. He tells them, come and enjoy life and follow your desires and do what you feel like doing. You only live once. And in reality, are these people free? No, they become enslaved to multiple gods. Right? So true freedom comes from enslaving yourself to the ultimate God, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's where true freedom comes from. So you're attached only to Allah and Allah will never let you down. Right? All other things come and go. People change. Circumstances change. And so when you attach yourself to circumstances, you are taking a big risk. If you attach yourself to people, you're taking a big risk. If you're attaching yourself to worldly things, you're taking a big risk because they come and go. Who stays forever? There is no beginning to him, no end. He will never be eliminated. He's ever living, right? So you, you can count on him. It's the, the best deal where you, count, you depend on someone and you attach to someone that will never ever let you down. He's always going to be there for you, right? So it's for your own protection. It's for your own good. And another meaning of ahad, which is also uh, a bit scary actually, is this concept of ikhlas, which really means, you know, Allah describes ikhlas like, you know how the leban or the milk comes out of a goat, right? Lebanon khalisan. If you think about the goat and you slaughter a goat, does milk come out of it or what comes out of the goat? Blood comes out, right? But Allah describes how perfectly Allah designed the goat or the lamb with or sheep with milk so purely protected, right, in its own vessel inside of a body that's filled with blood and other intestines and other uh, gross things, right? But yet when you, you take the milk out of that cow or the lamb or whatever, it, pure milk comes out. There's not a single drop of blood that contaminates the milk, right or not? So that's our understanding of ikhlas. It's that ikhlas can't be 90%. You can't have 90% ikhlas and 10% uh, for myself or for my own desires. There's either 100% or there's no ikhlas. Which is scary, right? Like, to make this, things practical. Me coming and giving this talk. If I have like 95% ikhlas but 5% we're doing it for more followers on Facebook and for more likes on Facebook Live, or for you know, some comments, then guess what? That amal is, is not really counted. And you know, Surah Al-Qari'ah describes this beautifully, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that, you know, um, in Surah Al-Qari'ah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes on the Day of Judgment that there will be فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ خَيْرًا يَرَهْ وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ شَرًّا يَرَهْ Right? So it's, it's as if Allah is describing that there is one scale only. Okay? And you need to understand this very carefully. Pay attention to this. As I was brought up, I thought that Day of Judgment, there's going to be like a scale of good deeds, a scale of bad deeds. And whichever is heavier will, you know, uh, make your eventual kind of uh, result. In fact, in Surah Al-Qara'a, we, we learned that there's only one scale. And a very easy way to understand that is the digital scale. You know, the scale that you stand on. If there's good deeds, then guess what? There's plus, the weight gets added, right? You get extra points. And if there are bad deeds, what happens to those extra points? They get deleted. So there is no minus. There is no minus in the sense of the scales, right? Because if you... So like, for example, uh, going back to the example of this talk, right? If there's ikhlas, then inshallah we'll be counted for the good deeds that we're doing. If there's 95%, uh, you know, for ikhlas and 5% for myself, then it's zero. It's not even counted on the scale, right? You won't get 95% of a deed. So it's either ikhlas or no ikhlas. Either you're doing it for Allah, for Allah or you're doing it for other reasons. And this applies to everything in our life. Everything in our life if we want added you know, good deeds on our scales, it's got to be 100% for Allah, otherwise it's not counted. So it's a pretty you know, serious thing to think about, right? If you want your marriage to be counted, it's, it better be 100% for Allah. 
If you want your studies to be counted for Allah as ibadah, as good deeds, it better be 100% for Allah. So it's just, it helps us kind of internalize this concept of ahad, that it's only and only for Allah, nobody else. The moment you add another element into it, there's shirk involved there, right? There's this association of other intentions with it, which makes it completely bottle, it makes it void. So it, it really like, uh, you know, makes us understand why Quraysh rejected this name. Ahadun Ahad. And you know, Bilal عنه, he used to say this and it used to piss the Quraysh off so much that they used to torture him even more. And they used to get annoyed, stop saying it, stop saying it. And he would still say, Ahadun Ahad, Ahadun Ahad. Why? Is it just because God is one? No. It's because this name of Allah, Ahad, or this description of Allah demands that we break all the idols in our lives. And Quraysh, what was one of the idols they had? Money, right? And power. And they wanted that influence they had on society. And, and the Prophet's message demanded that everyone be equal. It demanded that there be no hidden agendas, no personal gain from this, which would be a complete uh, threat to Quraysh and their you know, power and influence over Arabia, right? And so that's why that, so you see now how Ahad is relevant now? Why Allah uses the word Ahad and not just Wahid? Because, you know, Quraysh also believed in Wahid, right? Many other religions believed in Wahid, but Ahad demands that you make Allah the center of your life and you, you destroy all the other idols, okay? So anyone who has any worldly interests, any worldly greedy interests, they will not be interested in this deen. Because this deen has no room for your personal gain. It's only about Allah. It's about وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا That is your focus. And of course, do benefits come along when you become Abdullah? Absolutely, but that's not the focus. Right? Benefits do come along. Amazing benefits come along. Allah will take care of all of your needs. But the focus is not the benefits. The focus is Allah. And the benefits come along as a secondary thing. So Allahu Samad. This is interestingly one of, uh, or the only name of Allah used in this in the surah. So it's actually the core of the surah. It's the highlight of the surah, as-samad, and it's mentioned only once in the entire Quran. This word, okay. Um, and so, what does Allahu samad mean? One of the you know common meanings of samad is from samad, something that you can rely on all the time. It's never going to let you down. So like this wall here, if you lean on the wall, is it Samid? Yes, right? You can rely on it. But if you know, you're relying on something that's not stable, then it's going to be something that you can't really trust, right? So a Samid, one of its meanings is you can depend on him for everything, but he doesn't need you in anything. You depend on him for everything, he depends on you for nothing. Allah does not need us to pray to him. Right? We need him in everything we do. We need to make dua to him. And so, one way also to look at as samad is that he is the origin of everything, right? He is the original. Before Allah, or, you know, before Allah's creation, there was nothing. Right? And what's the first thing that Allah created? Does anyone know? The pen. And he told, he told the pen to write. But before Allah, there was no creation. So, as samad means that he was there, he was the original before there was anything. Everything else that was created, like Allah created, the first thing that Allah created is what? The pen, right? Do we have many copies of pens today? Many copies of pens. Before Adam was created, there was no one. When Allah created the human being, Adam salam and Hawa, what came after them? Copies and copies and, and different versions of human, humanity, right? So the, the human species is basically copies. So we will never be like Allah in any way, shape or form. Right? He's separate from us. We are all, we all have kind of similar qualities because we are copies of one another. Right? The DNA proves this, that we are copies of our parents. Uh, animals have their own kind of uh, species. Uh, even in terms of ideas and philosophies. If you notice how philosophies change from one time to another, from one writer to another, they're all different versions of you know, different concepts here and there. Different ideas here and there. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through a summit, he also, you know, makes us realize that, you know, copies can be cloned and 
reproduced. If you look at the fashion industry, you can make fake designer, uh, you know, bags or whatever, and they can be cloned and reproduced. Whereas a summit is the original; it's a constant. It can never be reproduced. Right? He's the constant. He's the original, and nothing can be like him. He is constant. Whereas copies can be uh, reproduced. Copies can also be changed and eliminated. I'll give you an example of this to make it very clear. I don't know if you're familiar with like Facebook pages and how they work. So if you start up a pa Facebook page, you become the owner, or in the sense, the summit of that page. You're the original owner of that page. Now, if you know you assign certain admin people to run the page for you, you're giving them certain rights. Correct or no? Uh, you could give someone the rights to add photos. You can give someone the rights to edit. You can give someone the rights to only comment. And there's different levels of assignments you can give to people, right? So these are all known as copies. But who has full control over all of them? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? So if he, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just clicks delete on one of the users, what's going to happen to him? Eliminated, right? Can the, you know, the assignee, the admin, can he impact the original owner of the page? No way, right? He has limited scope. So that's another way of looking at it, that they can be eliminated, they can be edited, these copies, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remains. No one can affect Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We can affect each other, people can affect us, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remains, nothing affects him, nothing changes him. Right? Another way of looking at this is also that we are flawed as people, right? As human beings, we are flawed. And you know, I still remember reading one of the books of Ahmed Didat, May Allah have mercy on him. He once described a tribe somewhere in Africa who believed in a God that had no holes. Literally, a God with no holes. And the, the name they gave God was someone with no holes, right? Which, which is exactly what a samad is also. Samad means something that has no holes. It's full, right? And the way to understand this is, you know, he's complete. And if you remember from the you know, narrations, we read that when Adam was created, before the ruh was blown into him, what did shaitan notice in the human being? That he had many holes, right? We have holes in our body, many holes. The holes of the eyes, the ears, our tongues, and you know, the private parts, and all of these holes, these are all weaknesses human beings. That's why most of the sins we commit are from these holes, if you think about it, right? The sins of the eyes, the ghiba, uh, you know, insulting people, judging people, listening to gossip, even being, uh, you know, involved in fahisha and, and filthy acts and shameless acts. These are all weaknesses in the human being. These are flaws in the human being because these holes make us imperfect. Whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as-samad, is the one who is complete, no holes. And another very interesting way to look at this is, you know, imagine there's like a glass of water, okay, that represents samad, right, complete. If there's a bubble in the glass of water, right at the bottom, what happens to the bubble? It rises and gets eliminated, right? So we're learning here also from subhanAllah, just from to, uh, like reflection on water and bubbles, that you know, Allah's nature is that everything that's summit, it overpowers these holes and these weaknesses. There's no room for holes and weaknesses in Allah's samadiyah, right? Allah is summit, therefore He's complete. And He's teaching us also a profound lesson here that, you know, we also, in terms of our ikhlas, now connecting this to ikhlas, Allah wants us to have samadiyah in our ikhlas to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Remember I told you 100% ikhlas to Allah, that's being summit, that's being complete Tawheed. Now, if you have elements of, you know, shirk in your life with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what's going to happen? You're going to get flawed, right? You're going to get into trouble. It's like, just like that bubble that's going to be destroyed. That, that lack of ikhlas or that shirk is going to cause you pain in your life. So it's only for your own benefit to be complete in your ikhlas to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, also, one of the meanings of, you know, a samad is free of need, whereas holes require dependence, right? Holes require dependence. I'll give an example of this. Why do we, you know, one of the functions of the hole of the mouth is for us to eat, right or no? And why do we need to eat? To stay, stay alive. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
is free of need, therefore no, there's no holes. Because Allah does not need to eat. That's why even Isa alayhi salam, you know, Allah describes him as, you know, him, that he used to walk in the streets and he used to eat food. Allah describes that Isa because many religions have associated Isa salam with, uh, you know, divinity, that he is God or he's the son of God, right? So Allah says, guys, don't you think about it? Isa, needs, Isa salam needs to go in the market and he needs to eat food. Which means what? He can't be, he can't be God because here Allah as samad means you have any, no needs. Whereas Isa salam has the need to eat food. And he has the need to go to the bathroom after he eats food. Just like us. Right? And if we don't go to the bathroom, we're going to get really sick and you're going to die. Right or no? And so you see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes like solves uh, doubts of even like other religions through this word as samad. So through the word, the choice and precision of the word samad, Allah is destroying all other forms of uh, religions that give divinity to any human being. Any human being, if he's given divinity, if, if he's being worshipped besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as destroys that because all human beings are weak. All human beings die. All human beings need to eat and go to the bathroom. They have holes in them. They have flaws in them. And they're weak, whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has no weakness. So, you know, the application of, of this is to be a samad in your ikhlas. Be complete in your ikhlas. Have no holes in your ikhlas to be safe. And of course, it also means dua. If he is flawless, if he's complete, if he's remaining, if he's constant, you make dua to him. So you make dua using Allah subhanahu wa name as-samad. It's your invitation to make dua to him. Another very, very interesting thing here is about this idea of why do we need as-samad in our life? Why do we need ibadah in the first place? Because, you know, we know that, you know, the purpose of life is ibadah, right? But why do we need ibadah? I'll share with you an interesting way to look at this. So you have Allah's beautiful names, Asma'Allah al-Husna, right? And As-Samad is one of those names, isn't it? As-Samad is one of Allah's beautiful names. What does Allah demand us with this name? He wants us to worship Him with that name. Every single name of Allah, Allah described it in the Qur'an so that we can worship Him with that name. And there are different forms of ibadat in the Qur'an. And I'll give you an example of this, right? So for example, As-Salam, Allah's name As-Salam. What kind of worship is Allah demanding us from As-Salam? Let's try to use our minds now. What does Allah want us to do with this name As-Salam? How do we worship Him with As-Salam? Very good. And submission, right? Istislam. Islam, like basically Aslimu, right? Allah tells us to submit to Him. So you, so you submit to Allah with this name, As-Salam. And when you submit to Him, what do you get in your life? Peace. And you become a source of peace. Same thing with Al-Mu'min. One of Allah's names is Al-Mu'min. Now, how does He want us to worship Him with this name, Al-Mu'min? To have Iman. To have Iman, right? So Islam comes from As-Salam. Iman comes from Al-Mu'min. And then you have Ash-Shakur. If Allah's name is Shakur, what kind of ibadah does He want us to have? The ibadah of shukr. The ibadah of being grateful. And so on and so forth. Like Al-Wakil, what kind of ibadah does He want from Al-Wakil? To have the ibadah of tawakkul. To trust Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To have tawakkul in Him. You see all these names go back to a form of ibadah. Al-Ghafoor, one of Allah's names. What ibadah does He want us to have? Istighfar, right? The ibadah of istighfar. At-Tawab, what ibadah does he want us to have? He is Al-Tawab, what ibadah does he want us to have? Tawbah, right? To become At-Ta'ibin, from the Ta'ibin, At-Tawabin. And if he's Al-Qareeb, Al-Mujib, what ibadah does he want us to, to do? Dua, right? Dua. If he's near and he is answering all of our calls, he wants us to make dua. If he's shadeed al-iqab, what ibadah does he want us to have? If he's like, extremely punishing to those who do wrong, what ibadah does he want us to have? The ibadah of khawf, fear, and you know, khashya, and rahba, right? Having that sense of awe and, and being aware and having taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our actions. If he's al-qayyum, what ibadah does he want us to have? Istiqama, right? Istiqama is the ibadah for from Al-Qayyum to get on the straight path. 
And of course, it's the path of values, which we talked about in previous talks. So now the question, As-Samad, what is the ibadah that Allah wants us to have from As-Samad? This will show if you've been paying attention or not. What ibadah does Allah demand us? Yes, but in the context of the surah, because remember, this is the only name of Allah in the surah. So what will be the ibadah? I'll give you a hint. Yeah, think about the name of the surah. Ikhlas, ikhlas, right? Sincerity. So how, how do you worship Allah with as-samad? Ikhlas. Not clear? So, you know, uh, inshallah, as we go along, it will become clear. But uh, we've been talking about how Ahad was linked with ikhlas, right? When you worship Allah and Allah alone, 100% Allah, that's sincerity. That's pure sincerity, 100% for Allah. We learned from As-Samad also. We've been talking about As-Samad all along. That, you know, He is the only one you can depend on. And therefore, when you give your life entirely to Him and you seek your help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you are practicing this ibadah of ikhlas. Ikhlas is a form of ibadah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls, uh, or shaitan tells us that Shaitan has power over all people except those who have ikhlas. So, um, that is the Surat al-Mustaqim. It's taking Allah's names and trans translating them into ibadat. And what's the, so to answer the question, why do we need ibadah in our lives? Because that's the only way we are on Surat al-Mustaqim. And through Surat al-Mustaqim, we have the win-win in our life. Win in this dunya, win in akhirah. It's the Na'im, Surat al-Ladina an-Na'am ta'alim. Who does this Na'im come to? The people who are worshipping Allah with His names, who are fulfilling this ibadah, who are living their life with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's names. All of these names combined, there's more than 170 forms of ibadat in the Quran. Okay, and I know, you know, maybe you haven't come across this concept before, but uh, I hope I made it clear with some examples. We're not, I mean, this is not the place for that, but... What I wanted to get across, the bottom line is that the ibadah that this surah is highlighting is ikhlas to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? Lam yalid wa lam yulad. He did not give birth to anybody, nor was he given birth to. Okay? And again, it just shows our weakness, right? We need spouses right this is human this human nature to have the need to want to have children and to want to have a wife you have the need for parents to take care of you you have the need for children to continue your legacy after you die right whereas allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he has none of these needs we already addressed that in a summit he has no needs and therefore he was he didn't need parents he didn't need a spouse he didn't need a child lam yalid and this is talking, by the way, in the, in the past tense also. To address that this never ever happened before. It's addressing the, the accusation that the kuffar had, that Allah has daughters, which were the angels. It's ad addressing things like Jesus was the son of God. It's addressing things like Uzair was the son of God also. And so here we're learning that you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not give birth, nor was he given birth to. He is free of need and therefore he doesn't... These are human qualities. And again, referring back to holes. Where does birth come from? And how is birth conceived? Through holes again, right? These are human qualities. Where if, if Allah summoned then there is no uh, you know, room for birth or uh, being conceived or, or you know, having a spouse. So you see how it's connected to the previous point of Samadiyah? And so it's, it's removing all forms of doubt that there is no, you know, no children from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is no parents that came before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is eternal. And it also addresses this point that sometimes, you know, I, I keep coming across in uh, Western books also that talk about spirituality. is the fact that, you know, we and Allah are connected, right? So it's a very subtle but dangerous thought that we and Allah are connected, uh, and this is not true, because Allah is Samad, He is different than us, He is original, and we are separate from Him. 
there's no connection between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the physical realm, right? There's, you cannot have any of Allah's qualities. Allah is unique in His own qualities. And then, وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ كُفُوًا أَحَدٍ One of the meanings of kufuan, there are, you know, there are different ways to look at this. One of the meanings is that he has no opponents. There are no opponents or there, he has no opposites. He is unique in and of himself. And therefore, you can rely on him for everything because he will remain forever, right? It's again affirming that the previous point that we talked about, that he is a samad. And he can stop and prevent everything also. Kaffa in Arabic means to stop something. Kaffa aidiyahum means he stopped or prevented uh, things from happening. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has this power that nobody else has. Allah has the power to make the fire cold for Ibrahim salam. Allah has the power to uh, you know, make the sun rise from the west. Nobody else can claim this. There is nobody else who can change the laws of the universe, change the laws of creation except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He can, there's nothing impossible for him. Right? Another meaning of kufuan is that, you know what, he has no spouse, right? Which again confirms to the fact that he had no children or no parents. He has no sahiba, no spouse, no companion. He doesn't need company. Human beings are weak, we need company. Adam السلام, was what he needed Hawa because he felt lonely, right? We have this urge to get married and to have companions. Why? Because we have this need. Whereas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has no need and there is nothing like him. Even if like we have some of the qualities that you might you may think are like Allah, like Allah is a sami', we also have the ability to hear, right? But our ability to hear compared to his ability to hear, you can't compare the two. His hearing is different from our hearing. His hearing is infinite. It has no limits. Our, our hearing is limited. Right? He gave us the ability to hear and he can take it away from us. Can we take away the ability to hear from him? Absolutely not. Because he owns these, these abilities. So the idea of being able to hear with no limits Infinite hearing. Our hearing has a beginning and an end. It, it begins with our birth. It ends with our death. Same thing with seeing. Same thing with all forms of actions that, you know, sometimes we kind of share with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? The ability to see, we have limited sight. Where Allah's sight is unlimited. We have a beginning to our sight and an end to our sight. Our sight deteriorates with age. Allah's sight never deteriorates with age. At the same time, um, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His sight, He owns it. So nobody can take it away from Him. Whereas Allah can take our sight away from us at any given point in time. So, you know, these are really the main uh, subjects of the, the surah. And the bottom line of the surah, like we said, is ikhlas. Make Allah the center of your life through ahad. Um, As-samad, depend on Him only. He's the only one you can depend on for everything and therefore dua for him. And the fact that there's nothing like him. There, and he needs nobody. There's nothing like him. There's nobody like him. And notice it starts with ahad and ends with ahad. If you notice this. So there's an emphasis on this unique oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we need to make part of our life. We need to apply this in our life. So this surah is not about... Uh, you know, believing in Allah being the, the one and that's it. No, it's about making Allah the only one in your life. Making Allah the center of your goals, the center of your focus. Being conscious of Allah in every single thing you do. Whenever you're about to decide something, ask yourself, is this something that will please Allah or not? Before making decisions, before going somewhere, is this something that's supposed to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or not? Before doing anything, ask yourself, is this something Allah wants me to do? Am I doing this for Allah or for myself? Am I, am I doing this for Allah or for people? Am I doing this for, to seek Allah's pleasure or not? Am I seeking people's attention or am I seeking Allah's attention? Am I seeking respect from people or seeking respect from Allah? Right? Very, very um, you know, practical surah in, our, in, the, in the age and, and time we live in. Where you know, people are, especially in the social media 
sphere, right? Where people are just obsessed with, you know, their image in society. And we constantly want uh, to get our self-worth from society. We want to get self-worth from people accepting us. We want to get our respect from people. We want to get our honor from people. We want to get attention and seek attention from people. We want to get noticed by people. We wear things to please people. We buy things to fit in with people and with trends. We, you know, study to, you know, for our own personal gains. We study, we go to work for our own personal gains. Where's Allah in our life? This is why the surah is, you know, I believe one of the reasons why it's a third of the Qur'an. Because a third of the Qur'an is really this, is to change our, our view of our life, our worldview. And it should have an, an impact in every single aspect of our life, right? Giving everything back to Allah, giving credit to Allah for everything and making Allah the center of your life and freeing, like having ikhlas from all other forms of hidden idols in our life, whether those are idols in the forms of uh, wealth or fame or uh, just desires and temptations and personal self-interest and desires and temptations that we have. So may Allah protect us from uh, all forms of uh, hidden shirk that will corrupt our ikhlas and may He make us from uh, His ibad al-mukhlasin, His sincere ibad who inshallah worship Him uh, as He's supposed to be worshipped and may, may Allah help us understand who He is. Because Allah in, a, in another place in the Quran says, وَمَا قَدَرُ اللَّهَ حَقَّ قَدْرِهِ that we, we don't know, many people don't know who Allah is. We haven't given Allah his, the right that He deserves, right? Why? Because we haven't really paid attention to the Qur'an and how Allah speaks and how Allah demands us to live our lives. And so I believe this is what the Prophet ﷺ instilled in the Sahaba during the Meccan period, right? Especially, it's these ayat of Tawheed and Allah and oneness of Allah. It's not just theoretical stuff that you... Uh, you know, memorize and say with your tongues. No, it's qul. You live it. You remind yourself with it. You remind your spouses, your children with it. You remind everyone around you with it and associate everything back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that Allah becomes the center of your life and not just a compartment of your life. So, Jazakumullah khair, subhanakallah, bihamdik. Nashhadu la ilaha illa ant. Nasakhfirka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.